You're listening to Fitness Beyond Aesthetics. I'm your host, Estelle, and I'm super happy that you're tuning in today. I'm a certified personal trainer and life coach whose life within the health and fitness world has been pretty all over the place. So no matter where you are within your fitness journey, I can probably relate to it on some level. I know that fitness is for you and that you have a valued place in this world. I've had my fair share of ups and downs, insecurities, and honestly feeling like an outcast from exercise and fitness. Little did I know that I'd actually become a leader within this space and help women from all walks of life gain confidence, find freedom and understanding, and feel at home within the fitness world. In this podcast, my goal is to help you fall in love with exercise, become amazed by yourself, create healthy lifestyle changes, and break down that confusing gym and lifting stuff so that you can feel welcome and at home within the fitness world. Everyone is welcome here. Let's get started. Before we kick this episode off, I need to tell you about something special. One year ago, I started my membership, Strong with Estelle, a 12-month fitness membership to help women gain confidence in the weight room, gain strength, and lift heavier. I myself used to be super confused and overwhelmed in the weight room. I pretty much just stuck to the treadmill and maybe a workout I screenshotted on Pinterest. After doing this, along with gym classes for years and years and years and still being super uncomfortable in my body, I decided to give lifting a shot. I was still afraid of lifting heavy and worried if my form was right, but I ended up being one of the best decisions I ever made. There are a variety of reasons you may be holding yourself back from getting started. Maybe you feel like the workouts are going to take too much time. Maybe you're worried that weightlifting isn't right for you right now because of the season of life you're in. Maybe you're concerned it's bad for your hormones, or or maybe you think you need to go to the gym in order to get a good workout in, and that feels like too much to handle right now. Or maybe you're worried about using the wrong form, lifting too heavy, and getting hurt. And while those are all valid concerns, from my personal and professional experience and working with countless women, I can confidently say your workouts only need to take as long as the time you have. Weightlifting is beneficial for women in every season of life. When done properly, it is beneficial for your hormones. You don't need to go to the gym to get an effective workout in. You don't need to be obsessively worried about form. More often than not, people overthink this and it holds them back from making substantial progress. And I've taken this all into account when I created the Strong with Estelle membership. I created short yet effective workouts that offer versions to be done at home or in the gym. There's no fancy exercises where you're flying around the room. We stick to the basics and we get really good at them. You learn how to find the ideal form for yourself and learn when and how to increase the weight. You become part of a community of women just like yourself who are making the time, doing the thing, getting stronger, and putting themselves out there because they want to feel good in their bodies and live a long, happy life. You also have access to me, a fitness professional who is not just certified in personal training, but also behavior change, fitness, nutrition, and life coaching. Right now is the one year anniversary of this membership. And for a limited time, I'm offering $125 off when you join for the 12 months and giving you a free one-on-one with me that you can use anytime during those 12 months. If you're not ready to join for the year, you can still save $8 a month. That's a total of $96 when you stick around for the year. It's time we made your workouts work for you, not vice versa. The link to sign up is in the show notes. 
Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fitness Beyond Aesthetics. Today, we are chatting with Julia, who is a fascia release body worker, educator, and the creator of the Fascia Remedy. For about the past decade, she's been helping her community of professional athletes and everyday movers to resolve pain, optimize movement, and feel amazing in their body. After standard Western medicine treatments failed to help her with severe nerve damage in her arm, she was able to find relief and freedom through strategically working with fascia. She now lives in Denver and spends her free time adventuring, rock climbing, and hiking Colorado's tallest peaks. She's also passionate about sharing what she's learned to help others live life to their fullest. Julia, I'm so excited to have you on today. Um, Can you share a little bit more about how you got into learning about fascia, teaching it to others? I'm guessing it's correlated with your injury too. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, honestly, it's been a lifelong, it's been a lifelong journey of searching for physical freedom for Mm -hmm. me. So I had severe nerve damage when I was born. I was almost a 10 pound baby and I got stuck (laughs) with that kind of a size. And the doctor stretched and tore most of the nerves in my right shoulder. So I grew up going through the standard Western medicine runaround, which is what Mm -hmm. I call it now. I went to occupational therapy for about 16 years. I went to many doctors and other therapists and truly it was like being a broken product on a conveyor belt. I was going from person to person to person, continually Mm. rubber stamped as defective. Mm. (laughs) So really everyone that I talked to said, you know, there's nothing we can do about this incessant tightness or mobility problems in this arm or just this feeling of being super uncomfortable in your body, there's nothing you can do about it. And if anything, it's going to get worse, which Mm -hmm. it's frankly is a pretty insane thing to tell anyone, let alone a child growing up. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's kind of just like doom, like, like just stop trying, just stop trying. And, you know, despite, despite that, I really did embark on my own journey of looking for other solutions. So I had tried really any modality you could possibly think of and Mm -hmm. bought any gadget or tool that I thought might help. So really (laughs) most of those gadgets and tools ended up in a graveyard in my closet because I didn't really think that they were doing much. And I laid on hundreds and hundreds of tables for treatment by experts and seemed like I wasn't making a lot of progress either. I saw little mm-hmm. to no results there as well. But in Boulder in 2011, I met a lady who did this really unique and obscure type of fascia release work. And I had never heard of the word fascia, which was kind of crazy because I grew up going to so many doctor's appointments. I could speak in medical lingo by the time I was 10. And mm. I heard of this word called fascia, but it truly blew my mind and changed my life. I saw more improvement in just the feel and function of my arm in two to three months of doing this work than I had in 16 years of delving into this on my own and doing your standard treatments and protocols. So of course I had no expectations for this thing. I, they completely, it completely exceeded my expectations. So I went 
learning everything I could about this thing called fascia. I went and got certified in multiple other modalities and made my own amalgamation of what really worked for me. And the more I implemented it with clients, the more it was working for them as well. So it's been a really fun journey to uh, not just help myself, but also be able to help clients for the last 10, 11 years now, help them with pain, with mobility, with performance, with recovery, all these things that are actually just related to one thing, which is your fascia. Wow. That's so interesting. So there's a couple things I want to draw on from what you were sharing. Like you basically grew up going from doctor to doctor. So you knew all this stuff about the medical field, but you never heard of the word fascia. And to me, like, I don't know a ton about fascia, but I generally understand what it is. And it's like a huge component of the human body. It's like doctors have to maybe not know everything about it, but know that it's there and bring it up from time to time, you would think that that would be expected. So in your opinion, or maybe, you know, do you think doctors didn't bring it up? Cause I'm trying to think about like the time when you were 10 years old, like how long that was ago. Do you think, especially at that time, they just didn't understand it. And that's why they never brought it up. Well, I think there's a couple factors. I think we've got to realize Western medicine absolutely has a time and a place And a lot of that place is when you have a serious injury or possibly your life is in jeopardy with sickness and such. And so Mm -hmm. doctors are mostly trained to make sure that they are going to save your life. If something Mm -hmm. comes up, they don't know quite as much about, and I'm, I, this is an opinion. And I also have many friends that are nurse practitioners and in the medical field. And so I have a little bit of uh, research to go with this, but most of them are not taught a lot about biomechanics and fascia and some Mm -hmm. of these things that when you're in that world as a practitioner or coach or trainer, you're much more familiar with. So I really don't think it was that critical for doctors to maybe know at a certain point, uh, especially in the (laughs) eighties. Um, but I, I also a little bit both. It's a little bit of both because I also know that research has really been getting more, we're just getting more research in general on fascia now in the last Uh 20 years than we ever have. Mm. Time when researchers would go into dissect cadavers, they would peel off all of this, you know, material that was wrapped around the muscles and the nerves. And they're like, what is this? Get this out of here. We want to check out the muscles or the nerve. And they would literally just throw it in the trash. Wow. That this connective tissue is one of the most influential and critical pieces of our body. It's one of the only systems that touches every single other system. And right. so it largely was just disregarded as material, biological fabric, if you will. Wow. So we that's, really are starting to know a lot more about it in the last like 20, 30 years. Yeah. That's just so crazy to me that like they wouldn't look into it. You'd think if it was in all of these bodies that they're dissecting, like, hey, this is an important part. If we don't understand this, <laughs> maybe there's something to this. And I remember when I became certified as a personal trainer. So I got certified in 2019 and you know, you have to continue to learn in order to maintain your certification. I took this course on fascia and it was one of the first things I I did. And it was like super basic. And basically the intro was, hey, by the way, we don't really know anything about this. (laughs) 
<laughs> and this is new and everything is up to change. And so then I was like, well, then why am I taking this? You know, because it was interesting, but nothing really that you couldn't figure out from just looking at how the body moves, you know, but it's so interesting to me that you say, like, I was just reading a little bit more about it before our call and like fascia has its, has its own nerves. Like, that's just insane to me that like people aren't looking at this. Yeah, honestly, it is just as influential as the nervous system in communicating information to your body. Wow. Yeah, you're exactly right. It has its own method of communicating with, with within itself. Mm-hmm. It actually communicates faster. I think the average nerve fires at about 150 miles an hour and signals can fire within your fascial system at like 650 miles an hour. Whoa, that's significantly faster. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So I'm just thinking about this now, but maybe for people who don't even know what fascia is, we should explain that. (laughs) So, uh, like, like it is a connective tissue. Like we already established that. Um, and I think for a lot of people, if they know what connective tissue is, they're thinking maybe like tendons, ligaments, that kind of thing. So what is fascia and why is it really important for everyone to know about, not just people who are recovering from an injury or searching like for some athletic performance goal why is this important for everyone yeah well fascia is the biological fabric that holds everything in our body together one of my favorite analogies is to think of fascia like plastic wrap you know the Mm -hmm. little cling wrap that you Mm -hmm. put around food and such so fascia is like that plastic wrap that wraps around every single muscle fibril and every muscle fiber, which is multiple. Mm. It wraps around every muscle, every muscle group, every bone, organ, nerve, blood vessel, literally everything in your body is wrapped in this plastic wrap, like a three-dimensional plastic wrap suit. So I've heard a lot of people that are just starting to learn about fascia. They think of it more like a sausage casing that goes just around the outside of the muscles and such, but it's actually this beautiful, intricate web of layer on layer on layer in this plastic wrap suit. So without this plastic wrap suit, we would go tumbling to the ground in a pile of bones and goo. It is literally the thing that is holding us together. It's holding your organs in place. It's attaching your tendons and ligaments to your bones, but it is responsible for the shape and structure and posture that you see in front of you in the mirror. So a lot of times because fascia wraps around everything, it therefore influences the position and function of everything. And so most things that we experience through life, you know, stiffness, pain, uh, plateaus in our performance, stress, tense muscles, really long recovery times, all of these things are related to Mm. our fascia because it's a positioning issue. Because a lot of times, again, yes, fascia is pulling muscles or bones out of alignment and therefore contributing to a host of other issues. Right. Yeah. And that sounds a lot like what I teach my clients with when we do movement assessments. And I'm like, hey, let's look at how we're moving. How does your posture look? And that can reveal muscular imbalances and such. Um, And so I know, like, when we're looking at biomechanics, just from like, a muscle standpoint, you know, we have like this front chain, we have this back chain, different chains in the body. And I give this illustration, like, 
if there's if you have a chain like the body is a chain if there's one link that has an issue down here it can cause a problem like way up the chain or down the chain however you want to look at it and i know with fascia they have their own chains like fascial lines i don't know all of the fascial lines i mean i could look at pictures of them kind of be like oh okay there it is um but can that sort of be the same way like if you have an issue with say this line of fascia could it cause issues somewhere else like the chain that i give that illustration with the muscles absolutely there are quite a few different trains that are in the body they're called anatomy trains if any of you are nerding out on this incredibly you can always check out thomas myers he's who invented or did the research and found these anatomy trains out um it's essentially like all, all fascia is connected, right? It's technically one uninter uninterrupted interconnected system from the top of your head to the bottoms of your feet. It communicates within itself, right? But there are certain places that are more interconnected than others. So it's almost like if you were to pull on one end of your trap muscle in the back, a whole series of muscles and bones would move along with it like a puppet. And so, yes, if you have one spot along a train that is essentially become crumpled up like a crumpled up ball of plastic wrap, mm -hmm. it creating an issue either further up or down the line, or a lot of times it causes pain or dysfunction on the opposite side of the body. So there's some mm -hmm. really connections and patterns that happen when you have an issue somewhere along those lines. Mm -hmm. That is so interesting. Okay. So I was thinking of this question as you were talking. Um, do you notice patterns of imbalance with people who have, let's say certain emotional trauma or um, this is a different sort of trauma, but also injury. So like scar tissue per se, um, does that cause certain like imbalances or just like, um, how can I say this? Like problems with the fascia in that area? Yes. So certainly scar tissue can affect mobility. It can affect just the health of your fascia because there's a lot of density in one area. And mm -hmm. so it's not as easy to move freely as it would be without it. Um, and there's certainly a level of tension I feel in people with stress, uh, the chronic stress, anxiety, PTSD, and things like that. However, it often manifests in different places for different people. So mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard people say, oh, all your emotions are stored in your hips, but that's may or may not be true, right? Mm -hmm. in your body. So your fascia is filled with these things called proprioceptors. And most people are familiar with proprioception as it pertains to balance, right? Mm -hmm. Like, can you stand on one leg? If you close your eyes and suddenly you're wobbling around like crazy, how much harder is it? That's where proprioception comes in, where your body is aiming to figure out where your body is in space. But proprioceptors do so much more than that. They are constantly taking in data about both our external environment, so things that are happening around us, as well as our internal environment. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that it often relays are any kind of threats that our body might be experiencing. And that could be an external physical threat, like maybe you crash your mountain bike uh, or it could be an internal threat, such as you have chronic anxiety or you're recovering from a really traumatic event. 
Either way, your brain can't tell the difference between what's a real threat and what's a perceived threat. And so your mm-hmm. body is going to respond regardless in by contracting. Right. And so a lot of times I can feel all kinds of different areas that are tense with someone with that type of stress response because it manifests a little bit differently for everybody. Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just kind of like wanted to get your thoughts on that. Like if you saw patterns or not, or if it was just similar with muscles, like some people store it in their hips or some people will get it in their back somewhere. Like, yeah, it could really, or their neck is really common as well. It's different for each person. Um, So yeah. Now, how would somebody know if their fascia was healthy and in a well-functioning state or not? Now it does get a little tricky with that because something really interesting about another interesting thing about fascia, as you can tell, I am fascinated and can talk all day about this, but it has its own contractile cells, which means it can contract independently of your muscle. So you might feel your muscle and it feels pretty soft and squishy and you'll think, well, my muscles don't feel tense but that doesn't necessarily mean that your fascia isn't stuck in a bit of a contracted state. So it can be a little bit of a challenge, but normal things you might be experiencing is like really long recovery times. You get super sore from workouts. Maybe you feel a little heavy and sluggish. Uh, You may have a lot of aches and pains or any person that seems like they're, you know, quote unquote, always injured They're, you know, they've always got a sprained muscle or a muscle spasm, or they're just seem really prone to injury. That would certainly be a red flag that your fascia may not be in its optimal state. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. The, the long recovery times, why is that with like the soreness and the recovery times? Well, if you think about the blood vessels, the nerves, and the muscles all being encased in that plastic wrap. Maybe I'll give you a different analogy. Think of one of those like vacuum seal bags. Mm -hmm. If you have all of this muscle, nerve, and blood vessel tissue in a vacuum seal bag, and you sucked a bunch of the air out of it, everything shrinks down and gets compressed, right? Mm -hmm. Now blood flow is no longer optimal. Nerve signals are firing. And that lactic acid that we all know comes into play after we work out doesn't have a lot of space to get out of the muscle. And there's not all of that repair job happening as quickly as it could be if we let the air out of that vacuum seal bag. And now everything has space and hydration. Right. And that's essentially the concept behind cupping, right? It is. So it like pulls the skin and essentially the fascia up like those, those top layers of connective tissue to increase blood flow to that area. So I'm guessing to anyone listening to this, if you ever had cupping done, (laughs) wherever like the massage therapist or like whoever does the cupping regularly puts those cups, I'm guessing would be where our fascia tends to get more tight and knotted up. Is that right? Uh, <laughs> if you if you if you don't know or if I'm wrong, that's totally fine. I'm just kind of like spitballing here. Well, I do think that it can be helpful to you know you see cupping a lot on the back mm-hmm. and the arms and shoulders, maybe a little bit of like the quads and IT bands. I, I it can be anywhere. I understand. I've had a little bit of cupping done myself, 
Um, but personally knowing what I know about fascia, most times people are not going to the places that I think are contributing the most to what they're mm. Um, okay. So how would someone go about preventing their fascia from becoming unhealthy or improving their fascial health if they know it's not in a good state currently? Yeah. So this kind of goes in line with what you were just saying. I think it's important to understand first how to, let's say, speak fascia's language. It's a very intelligent tissue that we have in our body. It's taking in all sorts of information that even our conscious brain isn't aware of. And it does not change easily. One of the many roles that it plays in our body is to protect us from damage because of those contractile cells that can contract subconsciously and independently of the muscle. That means when we randomly trip and fall or bang our elbow against a wall, our fascia is contracting and bracing for that impact and absorbing shock, which is a really amazing thing that our body does. <laughs> um, but because of that protector role that it plays, we really need to know how to entice fascia to change texture and rehydrate by doing the right combination of things. Um, which is why one of the reasons why cupping is part of it, but it's not the full picture in my experience with working with clients the last decade or so. So the best way to release fascia is through a combination of compression, cross-fibering, which just means moving perpendicular to the way that the fascial fibers run, and then actively moving, which is a really important component. So when you can combine those three things together, fascia gets with the program and can change pretty quickly. So the best way that I usually teach people, especially from afar, when they can't come see me in person at my practice is by using a foam roller or some type of lacrosse or massage ball tools you likely already have at your house or at your gym, but use that combination to improve your fascial health. So I imagine you all know how to roll up and down on your quads, right? That standard rolling back and forth motion. Well, instead of rolling back and forth, if you stay in one spot, you pause, you let your body sink into that spot and then start actively moving yourself, we're going to start cross-fibering all these fascial fibers. And that actually kickstarts a process that produces hyaluronic acid, which is essentially like the grease for everything in your body. And so by getting that cross-fibering action and actively moving yourself, we're getting your nervous system on board with the changes we're making. And we're really getting a lot of hydration that kickstarting process to full hydration happening. So anyone looking to improve their fascial health, I would say, you know, depends on your intention, but stop rolling on your roller for a while, stay on one spot and see how much you can move through any slow range of motion that you can. And you're gonna be able to see a bigger result from that time it without doing quite as much, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And that is one thing I know. And I tell people when using the foam roller and I'm like, stop going up and down and up and down and up and down, like find where it's really painful because that's, <laughs> because that's, that's the problem right there. 
and just hold it there. And if you can't hold it there, get as close as you can and then like gradually work your way to it. But what I'm hearing you say is like, also move through it because you want like cross you said cross directional Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to imagine what that would look like and I'm giving it I'm like the IT band is such a common place to foam roll so I'm thinking if someone was to find that super painful spot on their IT band and hold it there like how would we incorporate movement would that be like bending of the knee or it would okay yes exactly right so instead of rolling along your it band which uh i would not recommend of all the places to roll uh your it band is mostly fascia and it's meant to stabilize your pelvis it's not meant to lengthen so um although it really can't lengthen because of its density when we roll up and down we're telling the brain that we want it to lengthen And that may actually kickstart a process in your brain that seizes up a lot of your muscles because it's afraid it's losing stability in the hip. So I certainly would not recommend rolling very often on the IT band. Now, rolling can be really helpful in other spots if your intention is to simply warm up before a workout. Uh, That friction creates a little bit of internal heat. It can be really helpful for breaking up some superficial adhesions But again, if we think about fascia being layer on layer on layer all the way down to the bone, rolling is not going to affect those deep layers of fascia. And those are the ones that tend to be dehydrated, stuck together, stuck to other muscles and causing more problems. So we certainly want to stay on one spot, like you're saying on the IT band, and then slowly breathing, you'd bend and straighten your knee nice and easy. And if you're really wanting to go for it, you can lift your heel up and down. So up towards the ceiling and down towards the floor, when your knee is bent, that's going to get a lot of that cross fibering action in because it's perpendicular to the way the IT band runs. Um, I also have a couple videos on Instagram. If you're having a tough time hearing it and conceptualizing it, you can see it in action in some videos there too. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes so much more sense because I was trying to think, I'm like, where would, like, how would we get movement at the hip if, because it's essentially what we would really need. But I was like, I don't know how to do that when you're laying on the foam roller on the side, but that makes sense. So bending the knee and then like kind of initiating, like thinking about moving the the foot, but actually the movement is stemming from the hip. That makes way more sense. Um, We're actually rolling that femur in the ball of the hip socket. Super Right. Which is, that's what we want there. Um. Okay, so just to reiterate what you said, like rolling the IT band is not always ideal, but um, one other thing that came to mind when you were talking is, yeah, so it can improve performance. Um, So oftentimes I see people foam rolling like a lot after their workouts and I don't want to be like, don't foam roll or don't foam roll, (laughs) but (laughs) like, go, go for it. If that's, if that, like, that's what makes you feel good, whatever. But what I've noticed is that it actually, and what I've learned, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, because I know information changes, you know, like as time goes on, what I've found and what I've learned is that it's actually best if you want to improve your performance to foam roll before, like within your workouts, like kind of breaking up, like you said, breaking up those adhesions. And I don't have time to do that before every single workout. So I don't do that. But when I do, I notice I perform way, way better. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yes, I I think there's multiple scenarios in which it's appropriate. I certainly would say before a workout, you're going to help a couple of things. If you have aches and pains, foam rolling before is great. You're giving your body more blood flow and space to perform activities better. And likely if you're rolling correctly, you're going to do it with much less pain, if any. Um, but because of those proprioceptors that we were talking about earlier, when you get on your roller before your workout, you're waking up all of these proprioceptors and really helping ground yourself into your body and can really help activate muscles better by specifically releasing certain areas. So I do think that it is very helpful before a workout. Um, I would probably do a shorter version, um, especially if you're about to do some kind of Olympic or powerlifting where you need like a really strong one-time muscle contraction, you might just do a, a mini version. And then after you're done, you could spend a little bit more time. But the cool thing about releasing fascia in this way that we're talking about here is you can get so much more out of less if you're speaking that language that fascia understands. And so even when I say a longer rolling session at the end of your workout, you could probably do that in 10 or 15 minutes and get incredible results from that. There's really no need to be rolling on your roller for 30, 45 minutes. Um, I've certainly heard that over the years of people saying like, wow, that this one technique absolutely got rid of my back pain. So then I spent 30 minutes doing it the next day. And I was like, oh no, don't do that. <laughs> no need. Like the, the first few minutes or the juicy stuff you got in there and you get out. Can yeah. That sounds a lot like what I talk about with workouts. I'm like, more isn't necessarily better. Like better is better. <laughs> like, right. We yeah. want to be like more strategic and do things the right way. And if you're having to do more, 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 then that's an indication that you're not doing it right. Sure. It's the entire philosophy behind the biohacking industry, right? Is like, how can we get the maximum result for minimal time and effort? And there are ways that you can do that when you have some more knowledge and you know the tricks. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about the foam roller and it's really interesting. Like I've... I want to say in like recent, maybe like the past year, I've like re-accepted the foam roller um, because there's been so much back and forth over like, this helps with fascia. No, actually it doesn't. And this helps with fascia. No, actually it doesn't. So when I first learned about the foam roller, it was like, this is how you address the fascia. And that's it. Like, that's all I learned about for addressing fascial health. And then fast forward a couple of years, it's like, oh, actually, that doesn't help the fascia at all. Like, you need to do other stuff. And I was like, well, then I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> like that's all I learned. And then now, like the past year or so, it had been like, oh, actually, this does help with fascia. So I'm like, oh, okay. But what are other tools that, say, someone could use to help, like, rehydrate their fascia um, or just like, you know, release the, the tension in that area. So there's foam roller, you mentioned a lacrosse ball, or is there anything else? Yeah. I also use quite a bit, uh, it's called a gorgeous ball, which is from yoga tune up. I love Joe Miller. She's another great person. If you want to learn more about the fascia world. Um, but it's, it's more of a squishy Pilates type ball. And I use that a lot on the core fascia because again, fascia wraps around your organs. And so it's a really cool way to start 
releasing and rehydrating this critical area that does so much work. We just don't want to use anything that's too hard on our organ fascia. And so I certainly would not re recommend putting a softball or a lacrosse ball into your core. Uh, you you want to ease into it with something a little bit more gentle. So even though that ball's pretty squishy, it can feel really intense when you start, but those are my, my three main tools that I use the vast majority of the time. This is very off topic, but it just popped into my head. Do you think like if someone's fascia is really tight, is that correlated with being ticklish? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know. I don't because know. I, I used to be way more ticklish than I am now, but I have like areas of my body that have just like remained super ticklish. Like my left leg is like, don't even touch it. Like, don't touch it. <laughs> it's so bad. And I have, so I have scoliosis and my hips are like one hip, like uh, internally rotates more than the other. Like it's this whole thing. And so I have way more tightness stemming from my left hip, which I assume like, like sends, like it, it creates this chain down my leg. Um, so like, I think that's why my left leg is more ticklish. Um, but also I feel like looking at how I move, you'd think that my core is really tight, but I can do like back bends and stuff. Like I, it's not like the muscles are not tight, but what I wonder if the fascia is tight because I am so ticklish. <laughs> I haven't thought about that, but that is interesting. I'm going to have to make, make a note of that and see if that yeah. <laughs> Because, because you were talking about like how the how it'll it's a, its job is essentially to protect you and if something doesn't feel safe it's gonna like nope like close up like we don't want to do that and so if you go to tickle it's like I don't know does that make sense it it does <laughs> I know In theory so about like what actually what reaction is happening with that sensation of being ticklish I don't know enough about it to make a correlation but that is funny it's, it's possible <laughs> You know, that's the fun part about fashion. Yeah. Uh, there's new research coming out all the time. There's there's papers and all kinds of things I read about, and I'm like, what? I it also does this, and then you know, it's just a, a never ending learning process. Which personally, I enjoy. I think it's fun to be on the edge of of what we're learning and see how we can implement it for just helping our longevity and our freedom of movement for as long as we want to move. You know? Yes, absolutely. I remember what I wanted to say earlier. So you were talking about how fascia has proprioceptors and proprioception is like, you talked basically what that is, like it's awareness of what's happening internally. But when it comes to fitness and how I train people, the way I explain it is focused on external, like where your limbs are in space. So like a baby, is not developed in this way. They're like flinging their hand in their face all the time. Like they don't know where their limbs are, you know? And what I've noticed is as people become more stagnant, which is like a majority of the population in the U.S. Um, and honestly, it's just, it's growing in every country, really. People are less aware of where their body is in space. It's like, you could be like, you know, pat your head and rub your, yeah, and rub your tummy is like so hard, but really like that's an aspect of proprioception, being able to balance is an aspect of proprioception. So I guess what I'm trying to get at here is for people listening to this that are like, oh, you know, like I'm not so concerned with performance. You know, I'm not an athlete. I don't have extreme pain. 
I'm a beginner. You know, if that's you, this is an aspect of being a beginner. You need to address proprioception because before I even train people with, you know, lifting weights, we need to make sure that you have like a healthy chain of mobility and stability in the body and being able to balance in like a decent amount of proprioception. So this would play a very important role in that. That's what I was thinking earlier. Absolutely. Balance, coordination, agility, all of those things can be improved by addressing fascia because yeah, we're giving more access to those proprioceptive elements. So yeah, that's a cool point. Yeah. Yeah. That was just something I was thinking as you were talking, because I want to help people see that this isn't just something fancy, like another thing, because there's always new information in fitness. And I feel like if people don't understand the ins and outs of it, it can be very overwhelming. Like, oh, great. Another thing I need to do. This is, you know, so much information, but I want to help people see that fascia is something that we do need to look at. And it doesn't need to be complicated, even though there is a lot to it. The things that we need to do in our life don't need to be complicated. So I think to wrap this up, I want to give people maybe just like, what is like one thing they can do, maybe not even in their everyday life, like you're the master on this here. One thing that they can do regularly um, that would help improve their fascial health, like just like general population. I mean, I really would recommend just grabbing a foam roller and putting it somewhere on your body. You know, you can do calves, quads, IT bands. Uh, You can use a ball to get into the shoulders or um, a roller on your lat or wherever the place is. And just take a moment, stop and sink into that spot and move your body in some way while compressing that spot. Because it really does so much for hydration. It does so much for, again, improving blood flow, our neurological side of things, like our nerves being able to fire. Um, It helps our positioning. It helps our muscles move more easily. It helps mobility. It's just the list goes on of what it helps. And it really can be, like you said, simple. If you just know how you're addressing fascia and it won't take more than, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, guys, it really can be something quick, but I highly recommend I've, I've seen and heard many of the comments about how much it's helped. So I really do think it can also prevent, I know prevention isn't like a really exciting thing for people, but Ooh, prevention, <laughs> no, but, uh, preventing your body from just feeling old, quote unquote, Sorry, my dogs are going crazy. About- okay, my dog might do that soon too. <laughs> yeah, my older dog a while back was just crying outside my door. He's like an apathetic teenager when whenever I've left myself. <laughs> but anyways, uh, you know, for, for people starting out in their fitness journey, what you really want is to be able to do this for the long term. Nobody wants a short-term solution where they're killing their body for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden they have back pain or knee pain and they have to stop doing what they like doing because of some other mobility or pain issue. So it really does do a lot for preventing anything from coming up while again, simultaneously taking pretty minimal time. Right. And it's something so simple, like 
people people sign up for these programs and work out like an hour a day like they can definitely foam roll for five minutes a day I mean like that's less than the time a lot of people spend scrolling on their phone and just to anyone listening like if you're thinking about like well how can I implement this like while your coffee's brewing take out your foam roller just take five minutes like it's if it's important to you, you will make the time and put the foam roller like in a really obvious and conspicuous space, like not up in your not up in your closet or somewhere where you can't see it, like make it obvious and make it uh, easily accessible for you so that you're more likely to do it. Um. OK, I think that wraps everything up. Thank you so much for joining us, Julia. Do you have any final words that you want to share? No, I just appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. And, um, you know, if anyone wants to learn more, I'm happy to talk with them about it. Um, my Instagram, which is at movement by Julia has a ton of videos that are free that can give you guidance on getting your journey started with releasing fascia in this way. And yeah, I'm happy to help with any other questions that anyone might have. Right. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I'll be sure to put all of your information in the show notes, like your Instagram and your website. And is it the fascia remedy? I I mean, I know I just said it in the intro. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that is my certification course for all of the, not only the self-help roller techniques, but also the in-person bodywork techniques that I do, which, yeah, I just started teaching last year and it's been such a fun ride. I'm just building a little army of fashion release ninjas. It's great. That's awesome. I would love to become one one day. I'm so glad you were able to catch this episode of Fitness Beyond Aesthetics. I hope that it helped bring more clarity to your life within the health and fitness world. And that in turn empowers you to keep moving forward. I don't believe we will ever have the answers to everything, but we can continue to learn and keep an open mind. If there's a topic you'd like to learn more about, please email me using the link in the show notes. If you'd like to explore different ways to work together, check out my website at estellecfitness.com. That's Estelle, my name, the letter C for my middle name, and the word fitness.com. If you want to get to know me better, I highly suggest following me on Instagram at Estelle C Fitness. I'd love it if you sent me a DM to connect, or if you just want to stalk me on there, that's fine too. Until next time, friend, have a lovely day.